0: Welcome to the Daily Blues Podcast, giving you the best blues content from across all of our 101 ESPN platforms. We
1: go into the blues booth. Uh, our pleasure is always to say hello to the Hall of Famer. Bernie Federico, of Fox Sports Midwest. Bernie, how are you doing this morning?
2: I'm doing great, thanks. How about you, Bernie?
1: Doing well, and uh, a lot of things to talk about. Blues uh, win a great win the other night. Did that against Chicago 6-5. to five. I, I brought your name up. It really did, Bernie. Remind me of some when I first got to town. I was I was watching the Blues even before I got to town in '85. It reminded me of some of those old those old school games. Uh, wide open teams going at it, crazy, emotional, thrilling. Uh, did you want to lace it up and get out there? Because I, I was saying, this, you know, I was looking for um, I was looking for Esposito against Liute. I was looking for I was look, I even uh, teased the panger. I said I was I was looking for Pang versus Greg Millen. Cujo versus Belfort. It was. It just took. It sort of was like a a blast from the past. I love that game.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, anytime the Blues play Chicago, I mean, it's just the atmosphere in the building is so great, and, and for whatever reason, I mean, the rivalry's still there. I mean, the game's not like, as I as I guess would call it violent as it used to be, uh, but it was it was end to end action. I think that's what people like. I mean, uh, entertainment has comes with with a lot of goals being scored, and I, and I don't think the coaches really liked it that much to see a game that wide open, but. Uh, I liked the fact that the Blues have been so tight lately, and you know what? Hey, you can't be perfect every time, but they still found a way to win. They're, they still found a way to score the extra goals. So uh, I think everybody talked about that game, uh, uh, obviously, after it was over, but I think they'll, they'll continue to talk about it for a few days.
1: Five in a row for the Blues as they play the Islanders tonight on uh, at the Enterprise Center. And uh, Bernie and the crew be back, Fox Sports Midwest, after the other game the other night was on uh, NBC Sports Network. Um, Colorado wins last night. And, you know, you're looking at these three teams uh, in the top of the Central. And I've I've sort of entered the unofficial mode of uh, tracking everything now, you know, looking at the standings every day without fail, looking at schedules. Uh, We're in for a hell of a race down the stretch because I think the Blues have worthy rivals there.
2: Yeah, they do, Bernie. I mean, this is uh, going to be a a great last, what, six weeks of the season. Uh, Colorado's playing very well. Uh, They've had a few injuries. They've made a few changes as well. uh, Dallas, for whatever reason, continues to get better and better. They give up an awful lot of shots, but their goaltending's been real good. Uh, The Blues, I think, are really obviously in control of of their old destiny. And The Blues, when you look at their schedule, they've got... A lot of games against teams that are not playoff teams. I think those are the games the Blues have to win. But it's going to be interesting, especially with the Blues having to play Colorado the last game of the season in in, in Denver. So that could be a game that uh, could decide first place in the Central. So I think this is going to be just a a great run. And, uh, yes, uh, there's some worthy foes out there. So the Blues are going to have to make sure that they play their best.
1: Bernie, let's talk about Jay bowmeester and, and I'm, you know, I usually ask questions that are way too long, so I'm going to stop it right now. Just your thoughts, what you saw, what you heard from Bo, just your feelings about it.
2: Well, it's it's always a tough way to to maybe end things. I mean, uh, I look at Bo; I mean, he's had a great career. Uh, when you look at what he's been able to accomplish, I mean, he's uh, been around an awful long time, over 1,200 games. You know, he's won a Stanley Cup now from last year. He's won a gold medal. He's won a world championship, and. Uh, He's been just a soft-spoken, quiet guy, but he always got the job done. So, um, you know, whether he'll be able to come back uh, uh, after this year, uh, you know, who knows, but, uh, um, you know, he's had a great career. But these are the things you you always want to go when you can control yourself. But I think, uh, uh, you know, with with what happened to him right now, I mean, this is something that he wasn't able to control. So hopefully he'll be able to get healed up. um, But again, in the back of your mind, you're going to be able to do this. And that's kind of a, a tough thing to be, to be frizzy, but uh, <laughs> such is life. And I guess uh, you, a lot of times you have to say hey, life is more important than playing the game.
1: Bernie, I, d- I don't have the historical base of knowledge to to sit here with a credible opinion and say whether Jay Bomeister one day will join you in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But um, he, he's been a great player, but I, I wanted you as a Hall of Famer and someone who just had to go against a lot of great defensemen in your time and you still... Obviously, follow this league very very, very closely. T- tell us what has made Jay Bomeister so good for such a long time.
2: Well, he's been a defender. I mean, uh, when he first came into the league, obviously, he was, uh, he was very skilled. I mean, when you're a high draft pick like he was, I mean, Jay could skate. I mean, uh, he can skate. I don't want to say he could. Jay is just one of his biggest attributes is the way that he skates. I mean, um, for a defenseman, I mean, he can skate as good backward as, as, as forwards can forward, and uh, his transition game, everything he was, it was that he did, it was so smooth doing it, and uh, you know he could he could play 25 minutes and, and it really didn't even affect him. So he, he's one of those guys that was all, always going to be known for how well he defended. And I mean, that, when you looked to what him and, and pareco did last year during the playoffs, I mean they were the shutdown pair uh, that did a marvelous job in all four rounds, and was a big reason that. The Blues were able to win the cup with the solid defense that they played. But Jay will always be looked at as one of the, you know, all the time really great defenders in the game because of the way he skated, because of the way he, the long reach, big man, you know, big wing, wingspan. He was able to, uh, you know, get involved. Uh, if he made a mistake, he was able to get back and cover up for himself because of the way he skated. And he was able to always, you know, get in the way with the, with the big long stick of his. So uh, just a big, you know, solid defensive defenseman. I know that's what, what his, his, uh, uh that's what it, what it would be said about him the most.
1: We're in the Blues booth with Fox Sports Midwest, Bernie Federico, the Hockey Hall of Famer. Uh, how important is it potentially for the Blues? You see some of the young guys, Sanford, Thomas, Cairo, um, but even some guys that are relatively inexperienced in the league uh, really sort of taking charge now. I mean, how important of a development is that?
2: Well, you always have to count on I mean, we, we've talked about it all the time, Bernie, that you can't just count on, on your veteran players. You can't just count, count on um, three- or four-year players to, to, to guide you through an 82-game schedule. And I think it's very important to have your your young kids, uh, especially at this time of the year. I mean, this is the hardest part of the year. This you know, From 50 to, to 65 uh, games played, is those are the games that really, you know, mentally it's really, really tough. And I think it's the kids, the young kids, that uh, have got to battle through that and, and add that energy. And I think that's what's happened with Cairo, with, with Thomas, with Sanford. Uh, these kids are getting more ice time. Uh, during this time of the year because, I mean, some of the veteran players are, are, are getting a little tired. But, uh, you know, once a trade line is over, now all of a sudden everybody kind of gets that second win. Everybody starts seeing um, what they're playing for. That's for a chance at the Stanley Cup, which is only six weeks away now. So uh, the development uh, of those players was so important. I mean, I mean, it makes Doug Armstrong's job obviously easier when, uh, when, when you've got all the players that, that have been drafted that have come up through the system now have got it. Now they're accomplished players in the National Hockey League, and uh, just makes your team uh, much more consistent as you go in the future.
1: What do you expect to see from the Islanders tonight? They're uh, they're a team that's certainly jockeying for uh, playoff position in, in the East, and they were they were uh, they're always kind of busy at, at the trade deadline. They're always trying to do something. They they've been in a little bit of a slump lately. They lost last night. I think they're two four and one in their last seven, something like that. What do you what do you uh, what can the Blues expect from the Islanders?
2: Well, the Blues are going to have to get back to the, – they can't play like they did against Chicago the other night. It's going to have to be the, back to the grinding style. I mean, Barry Trotz is the coach there, and, uh, you know, they, they are a very strong defensive team. I mean, they've had trouble scoring for the most part. I think that's been their, their biggest problem over the course of the last few games. They just can't score. But uh, they will check hard. They will be really tight, and uh, I guess we're probably going to expect a really, really low-scoring game. But um, uh, they, they're a hard-working team, and that's, I think, that's what Barry Trotz was when he was in – Nashville, he kind of put that system into place where everybody plays solid defensively. Everybody, uh, you know, works the same way, and it's kind of the same style that the Blues play. So I expect this to be a a tight-checking game, and to me will be very good on on both ends as we've seen. So uh, this will be, I think, a lot different game than we saw against Chicago.
1: Mr. Hall of Famer, always a pleasure to talk with you every Thursday. Thank you so much. Uh, Look forward to next week and uh, certainly be checking uh, you and Scotty out and the whole crew at Fox Sports Midwest. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks, Bernie. Just have a great
0: day. This is the Daily Blues Podcast. All of the 101 ESPN Blues content in podcast form.
1: Now I can say hello to Jeremy Rutherford, but I wanted to set the table a little bit. How you doing, buddy?
0: Stand down, Bernie.
3: Stand Stand, down.
1: Stand down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How you doing? I'm doing good, man. All is good, my friend. So let's start with this. just your impressions and by the way your your podcast we went blues with Barrett Jackman uh and you talked about Jay Bowmeister's career and some of the things he said yesterday it was outstanding I recommend it people go to theathletic.com and can get that uh but what were your impressions of uh Jay Bowmeister's very dignified uh very classy appearance yesterday talking about his crisis and its aftermath
3: Very dignified, and uh, Bernie, you know, he put out a public statement uh, a few days ago. Um, He didn't have to do this. I mean, we could have gone another month or two without hearing from Jay Bomeister just so he could kind of get settled into his uh, new way of life. So uh, for him to, to sit up in front of the media and the The TV cameras yesterday and kind of take us through that incident I just thought was uh, remarkable and I couldn't help but keep thinking that uh, this was just 15 days ago and and a situation where you know uh, uh, a St. Louis athlete could have lost his life if not for the quick reaction uh, by all the medical officials and so when Jay yesterday spoke about you know, coming back and and hugging his wife and hugging his daughters. And, you know, his daughters are so young that once they just saw him, they kind of moved on. But all he could think about was his family as he got back into town and got settled into his house. uh, You could just, you know, you just wanted to go up there and hug him yourself. You could feel for what he's gone through. So obviously yesterday the point was hockey secondary and Jay going on about his uh, new life, his new normal was the priority.
1: And uh you know I talked about this much earlier in the show when we spent about 15 minutes or so talking about this in the seven beginning about 7:15 and I just said you know the one thing I think media sometimes does intrude and in, in not not so much asking questions cuz he appeared but uh it's not up for me or anyone to say well he should retire you know no he'll make that decision. Uh we have no say in it. Uh, but that said what do you think uh I I can't imagine because he's had such a great career um, I'd I'd be surprised if he didn't retire. I guess that's the best way to put it.
3: I'd be shocked. Um, You know, he has the uh, implant now, and that's a device that's going to monitor his heart. And if he ever has another episode, it acts as a defibrillator. Um, So, you know, that's going to potentially save his life if that ever did happen. And, you know, I'm not a medical official, obviously, but the people talk about uh, you just can't play with something like that. Now, we have to keep in mind that technology is technology, and, and, and perhaps something Uh, is out there that could help him play. However, I think yesterday, um, the reason we're not going to hear the word retirement during the regular season is uh, you look at all these guys who have illnesses, a uh, you know, Chris Pronger had the concussion symptoms. They typically don't announce those retirements until those contracts are up for cap reasons. And, And I don't have any specifics on that. Uh, but even if Jay Olmstead did want to announce his retirement yesterday, I think that's what would be uh, done is they would wait till the summertime, and that's what Doug Armstrong said. So I don't expect him to play Bernie. Uh, but uh, I guess at this point it's his life, and, and I don't want to certainly uh, step on that.
1: And of course, Jeremy Rutherford wrote a, a great piece about this on uh, the Athletic, and also check out that pod with uh, Barrett Jackman. Jack, Barrett Jackman, this episode, great photo on Twitter if you follow. Uh, JR on Twitter at JP Rutherford. You can see uh, him standing in the hallway along with Barrett and, and Jay Boe Meister yesterday. Really great photo. All right, let's talk about the Blues. Uh, have uh, I know they played a shootout style game? I you know it, 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 yet actually five on five they were really good. Just gave up three power play goals. But that said, do you think they're back to the style they need to play?
3: Yeah, I think so for the most part. Uh, you're going to have games like that, even if you're a, a team that plays tight defense and you're playing two one three, two games, just every once in a while, that's what uh, a game's going to turn into. And and it did the other night, especially when you give up the three uh, power play goals to Chicago. That was not good. Bernie Chicago last in the league uh, in power play goals, and they get three Craig Ruby afterwards. One of them, he didn't like uh, the play. He felt there was a penalty on Chicago that right before the goal, a guy was kind of holding Brian O'Reilly. Uh, Another one, he he said that Jordan Bennington would like to have back. And on the third one, they just uh, didn't cover anybody. They just kind of stood still. So, you know, I think that's probably why that game got that way. The thing that I took away, Byrne, is uh, the resiliency of the Blues. Uh, We saw that all last year. We've seen it at times this year. You're going to need that gearing up for the playoffs. And down 3-1, down 3-2 in the third period, you know, down 5-4 to come back on three different occasions, I thought was a good sign.
1: And the Blues are down to, what, 20 games left in the season? No, 19, I'm sorry. No, 18, uh, 18. 18. Sorry, I'll, I'll get it right. Because I wrote all these teams down over here on my pad. My notebooks are legendary for having 6,000 pieces of information okay. on, on one page. So I was uh, couldn't find that one compared to uh, Colorado and Dallas. Sorry. Uh, I, was, uh, I was reading The Athletic, as I always do, and I always can never pronounce this dude's name, and I apologize, but you can do it for me. Uh, the the analyst uh, who does a really good job. Dom, this is his first. Yeah. Time. How do you say his last name? Good Dom luck, L. Dom, Dom L. Dom L. Yeah, Lucchesean or something like that. Yeah. I, okay. Take, yeah. uh, and I, I don't I don't mind giving away a little bit of his piece. After the trade deadline, he, he sized up the Stanley Cup contenders. He's got Tampa Bay, uh, based on metrics and some other things, having the best chance. But he's got basically the Blues and the Bruins neck and neck. Uh, number two, and he thinks the Blues have the the best chance of any team in the West the way they're constructed and the fact they're getting Tarasenko back. Do you agree, disagree, or will you stand down?
3: Stand and- down, Bernie, stand <laughs> down. No, I, I think they have to be right there in this mix. I think this is the second year in a row that you got to the trade deadline and you didn't see uh, a true need. I realize top six, it would have helped to bring in a, a Chris Kreider or someone like that. Uh, but I think the guys, you look at what Zach samper has been able to do, hey, at some point you got to acknowledge that, Um, he's a player. You can't just say – this is some sort of streak, so, so he's playing well. You're going to get Teresinko back. We don't know when that's going to be. I know people probably saw the news a couple of days ago. Uh, he's going to go out on the road trip uh, out east and come back March 9th. They'll probably have a reevaluation at that point. Does he come back mid-March? Uh, either way, he's coming back soon and likely before the playoffs. So, uh, If you like what the Blues have done so far this season, and, and why wouldn't you, uh, the fact that they're getting Vladimir Teresinko back and, and seem to be tightening up defensively, uh, I, I believe uh, what Dom writes there is that uh, they're right there at the top with uh, a couple of those teams.
1: And another reason why I respect Dom, and it isn't because, uh, in fact, there are times I disagree with some of his assessments, and that's fun too. It's okay. Um, but one one thing, and I haven't seen this much elsewhere. And I'm talking about outside of St. Louis. Is he he laid out a couple of metrics and a couple of things that point to how well Marco Scandella has played and what a great transition it was for him and therefore what a a really nice and he I think he believes very underrated uh, transaction for the Blues because you know JR I have to tell you you know at the time nobody really said much outside of saying oh okay serviceable player he's fine whatever you know it was sort of that was the reaction of the trade I don't I don't think people knew that his skill set plus that left that left hand shot. Actually, uh, was exactly what they needed. If you if you were ever going to try to even come close to filling in for Jay Bomeister.
3: well, I'll admit you and I traded texts. You know when the trade was made, and uh, you know I told you Brendan Dillon, who went from the Sharks to the Capitals, is a better player than Marco Scandella, and I really believe that. You know, ten out of ten um, hockey people would probably tell you the same thing. But you know, you can't forget about fit, and uh, this Scandella. Uh, trade. It's just been a good fit. I, you know, this is not to take anything away from Marco Scandella, but the Blues had been playing horribly defensively, you know, for the the number of games prior to, to, to picking him up. Craig Bruby, the coaching staff, were preaching, you guys got to get together and, and play that five-man unit. So when he came in on that trade, there was a heavy emphasis on that, and they just started playing that way. But that shouldn't take anything away from Scandella. We had a piece at The Athletic the other day where we you know, broke down some, some video, and he's just making all the right plays. So, yeah, he fits perfectly in that second pair with uh, Colton Preco. He does a little bit at both ends of the ice. He's a veteran. We can't forget that he played a number of years in the West, in Minnesota, saw the Blues. Uh, so I think this has been a really good find by uh, Doug Armstrong and the fact that he gives up the second round pick instead of the second and the third which is what Washington had to give up for Dylan uh, I think just continues uh, what Doug Armstrong's been able to do on on the trade front making another good deal.
1: JR, it is time for me to stand down and uh <laughs> say goodbye yeah, say goodbye to you for today anyways. That was great stuff, man. Always love talking to you. You know that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I got to get back to hosting my Rutherford uh, Nation cult meeting here out here in Arnold. So uh, stand down, they <laughs> <I> say. <ya. laughs> That's
1: my buddy, Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic and also part of our crew here at 101 ESPN.
0: This is the Daily Blues Podcast. All of the 101 ESPN Blues content in podcast form.
4: Stoltz and Rivers here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Alex Ferrario. Let's head to the Brown and Croupin' Celebrity line. Joined by Joy Vitale, who you're here tonight alongside Chris Kerber joey how we doing today joey you there what's up what's up boys <laughs> and girl and, and, and lady sorry and, and girl sorry <laughs> about on, that. joe
5: oh good joey my fellow italian get
0: your meatballs right sorry i uh, i switched from speaker to uh i guess regular because what, what do they call it regular we're just talking the year like old school i don't know
4: yeah they call it old school that's exa- that is the exact line that dad phone yeah yeah i'm Hand- going dad style <laughs> handheld exactly Hey Joey. Which, which,
0: by the way, is, is really annoying, I'm starting to find out, because I started using those uh, AirPods like, to oh, talk.
4: You're big time. And,
0: I mean, listen, uh, listen, I hate to be high-maintenance. I hate to be, I, you know what I mean? I hate to be a, mo- a millennial here, but it is a pain in the butt to hold your phone up to your ear nowadays.
6: Well, yeah, you got to use your AirPods, Joe. When you're on your Peloton, there's no point in holding <laughs> your phone to your ear.
0: I mean... You, you know, you know what it's about.
6: <laughs> no, no, I don't. I still have one of those cord phones attached to the wall, Joe. <laughs> you
0: know, and the old and the old air fan bikes where you have to, like they, it has those fans, yeah, and clear cage, and you just, I actually, and I just, noise.
6: I took a regular bike, I put it up on top of two cinder blocks, and just that's my Peloton bike.
0: Hey, I'm glad Stoltz and Michelle—they uh, they gave you a little shout out. If you heard, Alex, uh, your style today was impeccable. You were looking like a. I don't know, like, kind of like a mossy lieutenant, like a little Robert De Niro. You had the long trench coat. You had that like kind of the teal, I guess, the teal collar on. You look good, man. Nah, forget about it.
5: Joey, we t- we talk about him all the time. He's If we were doing senior superlatives, Alex is best dressed. I mean, you see him at all the games. You can confirm this for us, right?
0: See, you just threw out that word again. You said it earlier, the superlatives were. I don't know what that means. <laughs> really lost me when, when you said that.
5: It's just basically an adjective. You know,
0: like in the
6: yearbooks where you were probably most, our funniest, funniest guy. Maybe you were the most likely to end up in the NHL. That yeah, was your you...
5: superlative. Or class clown.
6: And class clown. Uh,
0: I don't know. I, I was pretty rough in high school. I had terrible acne. I had braces for 70 years. I had a bald head. I, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't turning many heads back in high school. You weren't a looker back in high school? No, but it was a good thing because, you know, it kept me out of trouble. Like, you know, I yeah. invited a couple of girls out, but they just kind of looked at me and laughed. And, you know, it was good. It was good for my humility. It was good for self-awareness. I think it's made me a better person today, but it was hard. It was a hard, hard time, but this isn't about me.
4: <laughs> but enough So about glad me. <laughs> you made it, Joey. And we're so glad that you're on our airwaves right now here on 101 ESPN. All right, let's 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 talk about the Blues. So Michelle and I discussed this a little bit earlier. The Athletic had a piece yesterday with the teams most likely to win the Cup. Only three teams in the West with better than 5% chances. You blues at 12 percent colorado nine percent vegas at nine percent when you look at the blues joey can you can you speak to how rare it is that a team that wins a cup comes back with the same essentially the same unit they use your star they lose their star player and somehow they're still in the best chance still they still have the best chance to win and are still in the, the best position to win a cup
0: you know it, it really is it's it's, it's mind numbing. I mean, because to start of the year, you know, Doug Armstrong and Craig Ruby both had been the uh, Stanley Cup championships before, and and you kind of looked at all the trends of so the teams that won the cup and how they followed up that year. October was always a great month; they kind of fed off the energy from the championship. But then there's a huge dip in November. So November comes and there was nothing. And then you were thinking, okay, maybe December because you know holidays and it's been two months now, maybe wear off a little bit. Still nothing. January had you know it had that little bit of a dip there in January, February, uh, right around after that All Star break, but that was really that was really the only one. It it truly is amazing. Uh, not only uh, coming from a championship where you play, uh, I think it was a nine or a sixty plus day stretch of playoff games uh, from the end of the regular season to when they won the cup, and there's only like ninety something games in the off season. I mean that that is an incredible number when you think about how long the Blues continue to play. It's like, an, it's like an extra half a season. And then they have a little bit of time off and come right back from an energy standpoint, a conditioning standpoint. Uh, I thought we'd see way more injuries. We have seen our fair share of injuries. I'm not saying we haven't. Of course, Vladimir Terrell single being the number one. But uh, aside from that, you, were, you would like to think that some other players would be going down in these stretches, and they haven't. So the conditioning has been there. But just the fact that uh, they keep bouncing back from having these all these little knick injuries and someone keeps coming up. The biggest thing that stands out for me guys and and why it's happened this year is because we have now a core of young guys that are finally i think uh, taking a lot of ownership in their roles and they're really starting to mature at a very rapid pace i'm talking about players like zach sanford sammy blay vince dunn has really come on board jordan cairo another young player robert thomas he may be the most consistent forward i think for us as far as a playmaking uh, standpoint over the last few weeks so you look at the young group of guys and I think that is the number one reason why we're starting to see just this team continue to trend upward because the veterans needed to break. You can't depend on Ryan O'Reilly, David pran bring Chen, Schwartz, Petrangelo and Steve. You can't depend on those guys every single night. They're gonna need a little time off. And that's where you had that second wave of young players that have really been stepping up big to this blue team this year.
5: Joey, I know we still have a month and change left until the postseason, so I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but Anthony and I were talking earlier in the show, and where the Blues are positioned right now, February 27th, I don't have any questions about them other than when does Vladimir Tarasenko return and how long does it take him to get acclimated with the team, but do you have any questions about this team? Because it seems like any question that has arisen throughout the season, they have answered it, and I can't imagine them being in a better position for when the playoffs come?
0: You know, the only, I guess, question, Michelle, I don't know if this is really a question. I guess it's more of a concern. Uh, my thing, I think that you're always looking for ways to get motivated. You're always looking for ways that, why are we winning? What are we doing here? What are we What are we going after? We're in first place. We're ahead of the conference. We're ahead of the division. We've been here for a long time. What are we What are we reaching for, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. And for this Blues team, uh, my concern is uh, that they better make sure they're reaching for the number one seed i think this is going to be really important and i think it's a concern for me because you look at the colorado avalanche or the other team that you mentioned salters about uh potentially probably winning the cup out of the west they are they're nipping on our heels a couple games in hand i think they're three points behind the last i checked i believe that's correct but uh they're a team nipping on our heels so my concern is if the blues slide off a little bit especially given that colorado's got a couple games in hand uh, I think it could be a problem if Colorado finishes in first, and we'll say we, we'll say we fall the second, just for example. Um, you know, you obviously have home ice for the first couple rounds, ideally, and then. But if, let's say you run into Colorado in the Western Conference Final. I think that home ice advantage is going to be so important. Uh, you look at the St. Louis Blues. The last two times they've gone out to Colorado, they've gotten thumped. It's it's a it's a Pepsi Center. that's a very tough building to win in. Uh, you're obviously dealing with the altitude. Colorado plays very well in that building. Their stars really come alive against the blues in that building. It's been a tough building for us to win in. So my concern is if you, let's say we meet the Colorado avalanche in that Western conference final, then you got to go on the road for the first two games and then build from the series from there. And you don't want to get behind two nothing against the Colorado avalanche. So that's my concern. So I think it's really uh, important for the blues motivation here, not only uh, to continue to push and get a playoff spot, But I know this team, especially with how good they've been playing at home in front of the Enterprise Center, all these great fans, they want to try to lock up that number one seed as best they can.
6: Joe, uh, the New York Islanders tonight, a team that, you know, Craig Berube and Alex Petrangelo said today, very identical to the way that the St. Louis Blues uh, play their style of hockey. But Berube said that Sammy plays a game-time decision tonight, and they're potentially going with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, uh, which means would looks like he'd be getting back in the lineup. As a player, and I'm sure you've done the 11-7 before, what's the difference on the ice and on the bench playing in that style?
0: You know, Alex, truthfully, not much. Not much, especially when you're playing a tight game where you're going to be leaning on the top three lines anyway. um, Craig Berube, especially with this team, he has interchanged forwards. I mean, you watch the games with me, Alex, and you, Michelle, and you saw, You guys watch too. He he interchanged forwards almost like religiously. It's like a chess game for him this year, and it's completely different than it was last year where he was so uh, religious about his lines. Even when the team was struggling, he never really broke anyone up. But this year was kind of completely different. I think this is the kind of the growth and the kind of the adaptation and improvisation, whatever you want to call, of Craig Berube. See, I can throw some big words out there too, guys. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he kind of throws a lot of different players together. So – from an 11-7 standpoint, I don't think it's really that big of an issue. Uh, to me, on the back end is probably where you're going to notice it uh, the most because if, let's say, Robert Bortuzzo does slide in in that seven hole, you know his minutes are obviously going to be very limited. So the only concern is when you have a defenseman that's playing eight, nine, ten minutes a night, and let's say they sit for long stretches, uh, you got to worry about maybe them mentally staying engaged in the game, staying focused because – one mistake, as you were mentioning, the New York Islanders here tonight, one mistake could really cost you. I mean, this is a New York Islanders team that really does mimic the Blues in a lot of ways. They defend very hard under uh, Barry Trotz. The one of the biggest things he did coming in a couple of years ago was understanding that this team has got to start defending better. you got to hold the Barzell and say, hey, you're great with the puck, but you're very average without the puck. And We're going to teach you how to be better with the puck. I mean, these are all the little things he's implemented with this New York Islanders team. The way that they are so close to the Blues is from a 4 teching in a puck possession standpoint, from an analytics standpoint, you look at the St. Louis Blues, one of the best puck possession teams in the offense zone in the National Hockey League. The New York Islanders are very just just underneath them, I mean barely underneath them. So both teams understand the forecheck, where to put the puck when they dump it in, not only just to put it in, but where they're gonna put it to get it back. I mean, that's something that you don't think of a lot about as a fan. You just think step over the blue line, no play, chip it in. But it's not a mindless chip in. you got to put it into an area where either you or one of your teammates can get it back. you got to keep it away from the goalie. you got to put it in the corner. I mean, these players on both teams are very good about putting pucks in a a position where they can get it back. They both have good forechecking teams. So this is going to be a very tight checking game. I believe a very low-scoring game. Uh, Pretty much the complete opposite, I think, of what we saw a couple nights ago when the Chicago Blackhawks were in town.
4: Joey, we're not only better when you come on our airwaves – from a hockey standpoint, but a life standpoint. Thank Dude. you for joining
0: Dude. us. Dude, oh my God, this is a player. We should just do this every day. <laughs> we
4: should. We could. We <laughs> okay, will. Thanks, guys. We will. Yeah.
0: If you come I in, though,
5: Joey, up. bring some subs. All right. <laughs> hey, we, still got, we still got to do our Italian night, guys. Yes. We do.
4: Absolutely. We do, Joey V. We will.
0: Yeah. We got to get it on the books. Thanks, fellas. You guys have a good day.
4: Thank you. That's Joey Vitali. You'll hear him tonight. Mitsubishi Electric pregame show at 6 o'clock. Loose at the ice at 6.30 with, with the BMW of West St. Louis pregame skate. Tonight, Blues Islanders, 7 o'clock puck drop. You'll hear from Alex Ferrario, Joey Vitali, Chris Kerber. The Junk drawer is next on 101 ESPN.
0: This has been the Daily Blues Podcast. Check back
2: tomorrow for more Blues coverage right here on 101ESPN.com.